0: God is great. God is good. If you know it, say it with me. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands, we are fed. Thank you, Lord, for our daily bread. Every evening when I was growing up, my family would sit around the supper table, and before we put food on our plate, we would hold hands, and one of us would say this simple Thanksgiving prayer. Most likely it would be my brother or I, and, and we went through this kind of awkward stage, um, you know, when you're young, like seven, eight, nine years old, uh, you're just awkward, and you don't want to uh, pray aloud, at least I didn't want to, my brother didn't want to, and so we would go back and forth at the dinner table, like, you pray, no, you pray, no, I don't want to pray, you pray, no, you pray, will you please pray? No, you, and then finally, my dad would look at one of us with a stern face because the food was getting cold, right? And he would look at us and say, you're going to pray. And so as quickly as we could say the words, we recited these memorized lines so that we could eat some food. A um, Bit of a listener participation. How many of you, um, by a show of hands, grew up kind of saying this prayer around a supper table, a dinner table, right? Right, so most of us growing up at home uh, said a similar prayer to this. And um, tomorrow is the first day of VBS, and I'm super excited about VBS, another show of hands. How many of you guys grew up going to VBS? Yes, I did, it was the best week of the summer, Vacation Bible School, and so I'm I'm so excited that we get to welcome here at Peachtree Christian Church um, children from the community for a fun themed week that they'll discover really important truths about God, some truths that they will carry with them the rest of their lives. The theme verse for our week is a line from the Lord's Prayer. We actually prayed it earlier in the service. Give us this day our daily bread. We pray it every Sunday. And all week long at Vacation Bible School, we will be exploring the Thanksgiving Prayer that we prayed earlier, um, and looking at a Bible story and how it is applied to our lives. So for example, on Monday, we'll take the first part, God is great, and to illustrate that and to dive deeper into that truth, we'll look at how God was great at providing manna and quail to the people of of Israel in the wilderness. And then on Tuesday, we'll turn our attention to the phrase, God is good. And the Bible story we'll look at is Elijah, the widow, and the endless oil. Now this is the passage that captures our attention, our imagination this morning. We're going to look at this encounter of the great prophet of God, Elijah, and a poor widow. A poor widow who was at one of her lowest points of her life. By the time we encounter Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17, he's had quite a life because you see, if you know your history, the, Israel was divided into two kingdoms or two territories. So the northern kingdom of Israel had many different kings, and they were all bad, bad, bad kings. And at this time, it was King Ahab who was ruler of Israel. And according to chapter 16 of 1 Kings, verse 30, it says King A- of King, A- King Ahab, he did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. So he was the worst of the worst, I think. And if you know of King Ahab, you'll remember that he was the one who married, he ultimately married the queen, or sorry, she was the princess. She was the princess of Sidon, the Uh, wicked Jezebel. So you may have heard her name before. So rather than worship the God of Israel that he was supposed to be leading the people of Israel to worship, he, King Ahab, followed his wife into worshiping Baal, the uh, the idol of Baal. So enter Elijah. One of the boldest prophets of old, he was quite passionate about speaking the Word of God to this wayward leader. So at the beginning of chapter 17, he informs the king that there's going to be a drought due to his wickedness. There's going to be a drought throughout the land. And he announces this publicly, and then he hears a word from the Lord to go into hiding. So Elijah goes to a river bank where God is going to provide for him. He really has to just rely on God's goodness to provide for him food and drink. And how does God choose to rely, how, to, how does God choose to provide for Elijah? Well, he does it through a raven, through ravens. Ravens come each morning, each night, birds come and provide for him meat and bread. So at some point in this time, The creek bed dries up, probably due to the drought, and Elijah hears from God once again. And this is where we pick up the story that was so beautifully read this morning, that Elijah is to go to Zarephath in Sidon. Do you remember Sidon? Sidon is in the heart of Jezebel's territory. So he's to go there, but God promises once again, I'm going to provide for you and this time I'm going to provide for you through a widow." So Elijah obeys God, and he goes to Zarephath, and he sure enough encounters this widow. And he asks of the widow to bring him some water. And then he says, "'Bring me some food as well.'" Well, it seems to me that the widow did not hear the same message that Elijah heard, because She was gathering some sticks and she was going to make herself and her son a small bit of bread because she was starving and then they were going to die. She knew that it would be her final meal for her and her son. Based on where she lived, she was most likely not a Hebrew woman. Remember, she's in the heart of Baal worshiping country However, something in Elijah's voice, maybe in the way that he asked, he did say, please, after all. Elijah asked her to bring him, bring him some food. And so she does. She obeys Elijah. And she and her son were blessed with this miraculous provision of God. And she had an endless supply of oil and meal until the rains came. Now, if you're, you, Continue in chapter 17, and I do encourage you to read chapter 17, tells a story of an even miracu- more miraculous event. The woman's son becomes ill, and he dies. And so she goes to the prophet, and in her grief, she cries out to him and blames him. How could you let this happen, she says. Elijah takes her child from her and choosing boldness and faithfulness and obedience, rather than doubt and despair and hopelessness, he calls upon his God to restore the child's life. So in the end, the boy is alive, and then the widow proclaims in verse 24, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. It seems as though she was quite impacted by Elijah's faith and upon the goodness of his God. And she came to believe in this God that Elijah proclaimed. In this story, we see the goodness of God. God provides for his prophet in some of the most unlikely ways. Twice, once through some birds and then another through a poor widow. Now some may argue that Elijah took advantage of this widow. We're not told why this widow is hopeless or starving. Um, Some assume that the drought has reached her region and therefore there is no harvest and no food to be bought. But perhaps her community just didn't take care of widows and orphans as God's people were instructed to do. She was in the place where she was because of the way her society was structured. And yet, she gave of what she had. The woman had faith in Elijah's words, words from the Lord, perhaps it was the spirit at work in her. She didn't know this God, but she trusted this prophet. Perhaps she was just desperate enough to try anything. After all, she was gonna die anyway, so why not try this? You know, it's it's not surprising though to me that this poor woman was so generous. Based on national surveys here in the US, do you know that lower income people donate a greater percentage of their income to charity? Those who have least give the most. And so here this woman was giving all that she had. This woman set aside her fear Remember, Elijah says to her, do not be afraid. Perhaps he saw in her face in the way she spoke, he, he understood she was frightened. She set aside her insecurity and she had faith in the goodness of a God that she knew very little about. She then experienced the fullness of God's provision. As we read in verse 16, The jar of meal was not emptied, neither did the jug of oil fail according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. God was good to this widow. God was good to Elijah. God is good. We sing about the goodness of God and we announce God is good in the audience participation. You respond all the time and I say all the time, God is good. But do we really have faith in God's goodness? Or do we just try to do it on our own, try to uh, meet our own needs, meet the needs of others just on our own? What do we even mean by good? So I was curious, and and you can find anything on the internet, and so (laughs) I did a little search, and I found a website called powerthesaurus.org, And you know, there are over 4,000 synonyms for the word good, It's quite surprising. And then they had listed over 40 definitions for the word good in the English language. That's a lot of definitions, the word good. We use good for almost anything. And then we proclaim God is good. You know, when I uh, grew up, I was growing up in the youth group in the 90s and it was when all Christian youth groups sang the song, our God is an awesome God. And then we would go and we'd talk about the awesome movie that we saw that Friday night, or we'd talk about the awesome time we had at the party. You know, I never noticed it until a college friend of mine uh, told me that he was quite convicted about using the word awesome for common items and events. And he had chosen to refrain from using the word awesome uh, except to uh, describe the almighty God. And he had a point and it made me think. So of course I'm not suggesting that we not use the word good in our vocabulary, except for referencing God, because I think we use it all the time. We use it every day. I think my dog thought his name was Good Boy for the first six months of his life. We say good all the time. So what does it mean for us to say God is good? I think if we sat down together, we would come up with a lot of ideas To say God is good means to say that he's faithful, to say that he provides, that he's present, that God is for us and not against us. God is able to give us what we need. Trusting in the goodness of God means that we are in want of nothing, even in our darkest hour. Even when we don't see the light in our circumstances, we believe that God is working for our good. Now let me take a moment and address those listeners who are in their mind going, "Well, I'm not so sure God is good, because you see things have happened in my life." And we just completed a sermon series on doubt, and many of the comments we received when we asked for responses was on, they were honestly questioning just the goodness of God, and I think that's normal. I think that's okay. I think in our Christian Life, we go through ups and downs and wondering and seasons where we question, is God good? I think what matters is our final conclusion. And if you're in that spot right now and you're wondering if God is good, let me offer two bits of advice. One, you're not alone because there are others in this room and listening today who have those same thoughts and those same feelings you're not alone. And two, you won't always feel this way. Sure, there'll be times where you feel like God is not with you, but he is. And you'll work through some of those doubts, and you'll either come up to with the conclusion that God isn't good, and then you'll walk away from the faith, and it won't matter anyway, and I hope that's not the case. Or you'll work through it And you'll come to the conclusion that God really is good. And you'll keep going in your faith and you'll actually grow in your faith. And so I hope this morning to encourage you to believe in God's goodness. But if you're in a season of questioning and a season of doubt, keep going. Keep showing up here and listening to the word. Keep speaking to those that are around you that have faith. I think of the widow. She knew very little about God and yet she heard the word of God from Elijah. So keep listening to the word of God of those who have spoken, those who have gone before you. And it's an encouragement to those that have faith, those that believe, to keep sharing your story. You never know who's listening. You never know who is encouraged by what you've been through, by what God has done in your life. So how do we respond to God's goodness? Is it just nice to say, or does it really affect our lives? Does it really change our actions, our beliefs, I mean, our attitudes, our our relationships? Does it change our community and our church to say that God is good? How does that affect our lives? A story is told of a preacher who noticed a family standing in line at a New Orleans convenience store. The family was buying just a few items, but they didn't have the money necessary. And so the pastor tapped the man on the shoulder and said, you don't need to turn around, just accept this money. And the man took the money, paid for his items, and the family left, never seeing the preacher. Nine years later, the pastor was invited to speak at a church in New Orleans. After the service, a man came up to him and shared a story of how he came to faith in Christ. The man says, several years ago, my wife and our child were destitute. We lost everything, had no jobs, no money, and were living in our car. We also lost all hope. And agreed the best thing to do was to end it all, including our child. However, we decided to first give our son some food, so we drove to a convenience store to buy him some food and milk. The man continued to tell his story. While we were standing in line at the store, we realized that we did not have enough money to pay for the items, but a man behind us asked us to please take the money from his hand and not look at him. The man told us, that Jesus loves you. We left the store, drove to our designated site, and wept for hours. We couldn't go through with it, so we drove away. We drove, as we drove, we noticed a church with a sign out front which said, Jesus loves you. We went to that church the very next Sunday, and both my wife and I were saved that day. He then told the pastor, When you began to speak this morning, I knew immediately that you were the man who gave us that money because of your accent. You see, the pastor was from South Africa and had a very distinct accent. The man continued and told the pastor, your act of kindness was much more than a simple good deed. Three people are alive today because of it. This pastor believed in the goodness and in the love of God, and he acted upon it. He was kind and generous and loving to this family, and it made all the difference in the world. Having faith in God's goodness means sharing what we have with one another. And by sharing, we understand that God has plenty to go around. There's enough for all of us. We should take every opportunity then to help those who are in need, and we do so because of the gratitude we have in our hearts, because of the goodness of God and the kindness that he demonstrates to us through Jesus Christ. And so the question we ask ourselves this morning is, what will be our response to the goodness of God this week?